This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And as always, I'm joined by the wonderful Amy Canavan. How are you, Amy? I'm good, Tony. I'm good. Um happy to be here. It's been a it's been an interesting weekend, hasn't it? It's been there's plenty to discuss, but it's um, I'm looking forward to it, I certainly am. How are you? I'm good, yes, I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for asking. And as always, I'm accompanied by the dedicated follower of tracky fashion. It's <laughs> Russell Boys. Russell, how are you? I'm good, Tony, mate. It's Monday. It's the Monday Club. I'm a velvet number this week, mate. Velvet Adidas number. Who would have thought such a thing existed? Indeed, but it's looking particularly smart and lovely. So, as I say, top man, fashion, fashionista, I think. <laughs> I wish. I wish I didn't have to pay for it all, Tony. <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. Adidas, if you're watching, come on, sort the man out. I know. Anyway, 
a quick game of Axel Anonymous here. I'm Tony. I'm 49 next month. I'm a Celtic supporter, but I'm not a season ticket holder. <laughs> and I guess my age, that certainly classes me as a Celtic da, doesn't it? Now, I don't know if I'm even allowed to hear my views, let alone present a programme as big as this. <laughs> on ignoring free scoring, Celtic. I'm going to do it anyway. And here's the thing: I don't own hundreds of Celtic views or Celtic strips. Here's the sum token of my Celticness. There's a wee gum badge that I wear every now and again. There you go, eh? Now I don't know if that makes me less of a Celtic supporter than anyone else out there, but there you go. But since we're uh, since we're showing off, you know, Tony. What makes us a Celtic fan? I've got an LED light, if that counts, guys. Does that it count? Does it it am, I, am I in the gang? Am I allowed, yeah. to, am I allowed to talk about the, the famous Glasgow Celtic, you know? A gift from Mr Haggerty, that was. We watched the uh, the Scotland-England game together, so that was a, a really kind gesture from yourself to give me that light. So I actually suppose, in theory, I'm still not invested enough in Celtic yet, have I? Because it was a gift. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I believe that I'm a member of some kind of cult, you know, the cult of Axon. Beware, beware the cult, beware the cult, you know. But hey, if that's the case, this is a real, you'll get this. That's the case, and I'm a member of the Green Oyster Cult. Don't fear Mark Reaper. <laughs> ah, very good. Reference for you that, there. Amy's that's clever. What are you talking about? That's <laughs> clever, the Green Oyster yeah, Cult. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Don't fear the Mark Reaper. Yes, don't fear the Mark Reaper. There you go. There was an old song, Amy, by a band called Blue Oyster Cult called Don't Fear the Reaper. There you go. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Now, you can see upon the strap line there, has Andrew Postacotlu got you excited yet? 22 days until Mijuland the European game. Now, Amy, I'm going to come to you first because Russell and Laura did a fantastic show yesterday about Ange Postecoglou's first public utterances alongside Dominic Mackay, and I just wanted to gather your thoughts on that. What, what did you think of all? What did you make of it all? The conference as a whole? Uh-huh, and the fan media thing and all that. And um, was words, what, what you were saying. I'll be honest, I thought... All in all, I thought it was fantastic, you know, and it's a it's a massive, I wouldn't even say step, I would be really optimistic here, and I'd say it's a massive leap in the right direction um, in all forms of the club, you know. I think if you if you break it down, you know, getting getting the fan media in and the proper fans, like you say, whatever whatever you want to delve that into, but, you know, who, anyone who was invited and anyone who partook, um, participated in that sort of um, on Friday, they have Celtic at the, at the heart of what they do, um, and it is, it is clear is at the forefront of, of all workings so there's no doubt about that um, and I think you know all in all let's I don't know what you want to say 95% I think it was fantastic you know there were great questions asked the the interaction was fantastic you know I think both Don Mackay and Ange Postacoglu really interacted well and came across really well and if you want to break it down even further and say right what did Ange say and 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 how how excited have we got by that? I thought he was outstanding, you know. I think he came across really... I think his, his 
kind of been a little bit reported that it's maybe not his cup of tea, you know, the press conferences and that, but it came he it didn't come across that way. I thought he came across really, really well. He was speaking just like just like the normal man. Um, but with a man with a real vision, a clear vision, and that's something that Celtic have been severely lacking. And then if you want to, you look into Don McKay, you know, that is a, an extremely well-versed man um, in communications and media and any sort of, um, any sort of discussion. I was extremely impressed by him. And again, and I understand this, you could be a little bit Celtic fans, football fans are fickle and you could say, right, well, that's, you can talk the talk, but you've got to walk the walk. But right now, all we can do is really walk the walk, uh, talk the talk, sorry. We've not got to that stage of, of walking the walk yet. I need to remember, Dom's not even in position. You know, that's the 1st of July. I don't even know what date today is. Is it 28th, something like that? So we've got a few days still to go. Um so I think he said everything, you know, he, he ticked all the right boxes, he said everything that you, you'd really want him to say. But, you know, if you want to look at it in the way that now he has to walk the walk, now he, he said it all, so he really has to, because we can all go back now and say, well, you said this, he's outlined it. You know, so he, he's put his, his head above the parapet, really, before he's even started. And I like that, I like a little bit of confidence, that little bit of assurance. And I think that's, in a nutshell, I came out quite assured. Um, from both Ange and from Dom, I feel I now know a little bit what sort of direction this club is going in. And, you know, I think maybe for the last, I don't know, would you want maybe say 19 months, I have no idea what direction this club is going in. But I feel now that we are, you know, I, I understand a little bit the sort of, you know, even the markets we're going to be starting to delve into, the sort of way that we wanted to develop the academy. Where were we even going to put the academy on sort of the back foot? No, we're going to put it on the front foot. We're going to look at clubs around our sort of level, but worldwide, but also the clubs a little bit above us. You know, the, the guys who are, are leading that sort of way, and that's just about the academy, but also, you know, bringing in overseas players and just the whole way that we really need to develop as a leading football club and a size that we can do. So, you know, I was really, really impressed by Mackay and I was really, really impressed by Ange. And I think he definitely, and, and Russell, you, you touched upon it yesterday, I think we were all kind of thrown a little bit off guard a few weeks ago when the first initial, you know, talks of, of Ange were coming in and we were all a bit like, well, who is this guy? And again, we've all said it ourselves that we probably didn't put in the research that, that he deserved. Um, and again, you can hold your hold ourselves up to that and we made the mistake. But, you know, he's certainly not a yes man. And we never said that he was going to be a yes man, but we said that's the one thing he can't be. But we, I've, I've came out of Friday under no, no qualms that this is a... A guy who's not going to suffer any fools, and again, that and that's what you you need, and you certainly want at the helm of Celtic. Russell, brilliant, Amy. Like that, good shout. Outstanding, Amy. Like start to the show, by the way. I'm <laughs> under the caution, Tony. No, well, I'm off. We're all friends here. We're all non-season ticket holders here. All right. Yep. <laughs> you know what I love? One thing he said that I actually loved. He said it's all just words. Do you know why I love that? Because this is a guy that wants to go home with managing a football club. Yes. Yeah. That's the, I took from that. It was like, I'll sit here, I'll jump through these hoops, I'll speak and I'll outline some of my plans, what I'm going to do, but I just want to be out there. I want yeah. to be out there and I want to be doing what I do best and I want to be out there doing what has brought me notoriety and what's brought me to this football club and that's managing footballers, young footballers, older footballers, any footballers. I just want to immerse myself in this football club. That's what I got. That's what I took from it, and I thought, brilliant. It's like he, he's a hands-on kind of guy, and he just wants to be let to do the job now. You know that initial meet and greet, as you say, maybe didn't feel comfortable with it, 
but at least he had the sense to turn around and say it's all just words and mindful of the fact that talk, talk is cheap, Russell, you know, and he'll soon find out for himself that the only football management that's acceptable in Glasgow is winning matches. And I think he just gets, wants to get on with doing that. Yeah, I, thought, I mean, I'd say yes, I thought he came over really, really well. I've seen the comment coming in, which I've got to say is kind of mirroring maybe where I am to an extent. I mean, I'm not going to do a complete U-turn um, on my, my concerns about the, the appointment, but undoubtedly he's came over an impressive figure. Um, and I, what I loved, and I said this yesterday, just without you know, wanting to repeat myself, but I did feel we had two guys that were very much a team and, uh, and are very much in a partnership here. It feels like Don Mackay is very excited about getting Ange Postacoglu. I think our concerns, Tony, and we were, you know, I don't back down on what it's in, doubled in, but I don't back down on any of that because at the time it seemed it had all the hallmarks of a Peter Lowell production. You know, it did seem like the City Group links were just too intertwined and it was too familiar with what we did with Ronnie Dyla. And you just thought, is this guy being thrust upon Don Mackay as the parting gift? After they made an you know an, an incredible failure to appoint Eddie Howe, um, th- to flip it, it looks actually like Don McKay maybe did get the name put to him, but seemed to have went. By the way, I worked in Australia and Japan. I know exactly who he is, and that actually tickles my fancy. And the enthusiasm, I like the fact there was no hesitation from Ange. Even though he's up in sticks from Japan, a club he's obviously built loyalty with, he's won a title with. It's not easy just to dismiss that, you know. You know, no one leaves clubs when they've been there a few years, especially in a new sort of culture that he's adapted to as well. To then jet off to another one, and yet Don McKay says there was no hesi- no hesitation. I find that really, really encouraging. Like you said, Tony, looks like he just wants to get on with the job now. He's excited to be here. We've got a new CEO incoming who is excited that he is here, the manager's here as well. Um, I, You know, from what we've seen, it was a good start. Let's put it that way. It was a very good start. There was a meme put out on Friday, I mean, it was like people were saying, I wish my partner would look like, look at me. Yeah. Don Mackay looks at Ange Postacoglu, the, the start of a, a bromance. But as Russell said there, a partnership with two of them, seem to be speaking the same language. They seem to understand each other straight off the bat. And yeah, we were, we can't say that we weren't initially sceptical. There's still that scepticism there. Your personal jury's out because you don't know how Celtic are going to line up, who's going to be playing for them. But as Russell said, it's a good positive start. To be honest, I, I thought he said a lot of things that I would expect a, manage, a man holding that high office should say or would say, you know, to me, and I've said this before, that it's the best job in world football. It's not, but to you and I, the Celtic supporters, it's the best job. And you, and you want someone like that to come out, defend your club, and speak very highly of it and say that they're pleased to be here Then it's an honour for them. So, yeah, I mean, kudos for that. I, I, I now just want to see him, see what he's made of. And yep. we will judge him then. You know, when you when the ball bounces for real, our initial scepticism came from the fact that, yeah, maybe we didn't know too much about him, but we've got a wee bit of a handle on him now, Amy, so we can move forward and tandem together, which is what Dom and Anne yeah. seem to be doing. 
you know? Yeah, like you say, it's that, it's that partnership. And I think, and Dominic, I said himself, you know, it's about that connect, connectivity between the, the fans and, uh, and the club. But then it's also, you need that connection between the CEO and the manager. You know, that whole, whatever structure, which obviously we hope will sort of transpire uh, in, in the matter of weeks and maybe even coming days, that we understand what the structure of the club really is. Again, they both touched upon maybe that. People are going to come in, people are going to leave, but you need that cohesion really between the CEO and between the manager. And it seems fr- from Friday that they are, like you say, singing from the same hymn sheet. They're going down the same direction. I think the the right thing was said, obviously, that and obviously we have to take it in a face value as well, is that I'm just going to have this blank canvas. And that is really basically what we all, we, we all wanted and we all needed them to have because we were assured really that that was it what Eddie Howe was going to be given so you know if, if it was good enough for Howe then it's got to be good enough for Ange and again that's all we can really ask for that it wasn't going to be double standards that no matter whatever we were going to be granting Howe because then if we could if we were going to be able to grant it to him it means we had the you know the realms of possibility to do that then we have to give the same respect to Ange um, and, and that's that's a, a great thing to take out from Friday as well so there was a lot of positives, there really was. And I, th- I think, as you say, one of the, 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 the best things really was to see that partnership in the flesh. And, and like you say, also there was the memes that it was like, get yourself somebody who looks like, who looks at you the way that Don looks at Ange. Or, you know, it was all that Celtic bath, sort of like looking down on a proud son. But it was, we, we can make a joke out of it, but it really did look like already there's that sort of, that little connection. Russell, to me, it, it gave you a wee feel-good factor back, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. A, a, a dreadful season, and it just it just made you feel good. Now we don't know if it will make us feel spectacularly good come next May, you know. But there's a school of thought here that, and just you know, we've spoken about this before. Free hit at Europe, but people aren't too concerned about European progress this season because they want Ange to focus on winning the title and the rewards and riches that come with that. Did you buy into that or? Is it a case of why can't we fight on all fronts? I think the the, the vibe I get from Post to Coldplay is he's going to make a good fist of it. He will give it his all to. He won't treat it as a free hit. To yeah. me, the champions league qualifiers. I mean, it was it, we struck so lucky that in our worst season in a decade is the only season second place qualify. That is incredible fortune. So whilst we are in that position. We've got to give him every single tool to take advantage of it. Now, my issue with a lot of people saying transitional seasons, project seasons, all this sort of, uh, you know, all this sort of, I'm trying to think of a word here that I'm just incapable of saying, trajectory or conjecture, like that was it. <laughs> anyway, um, conjecture, we're getting there, trajectory. What? Um, but basically... What my concern is with all this is that's brilliant if you're only looking at your own club. What people seem to be forgetting is when you're in transition or mid-project and in a season that could, I think it was Mo that put on Twitter uh, about his first season in Japan, 12 wins, 13 losses, something like that. It wasn't great reading. If we were to have a season like that because we're heading in the right direction, we'd need to be aware, though, acutely aware, that that also then further strengthens the opposition. So whilst you're focusing at your own project within and watching that develop, the enemy is getting stronger because they're getting access to the likes of a 40 million uh, bounty if they win the league, say next season. We're nowhere near it, but we're progressing as a squad. 
that progression then is kind of it's kind of difficult to gauge it because what I'm, what I'm trying to say is the opposition you're against is also enhancing its squad. It's going to have money's riches that it's not had for years. Right now, we're already 25 points behind. You've got to be careful. And I, I got the vibe off Ange anyway that he's going to be grabbing the Champions League qualifier tie with both hands. He's going to put us in as best a place as he can. What I would do is absolve him, absolve him of any blame if we were faced with an early exit from the Champions League, say, for example. I think his minimum sort of requisite when it comes to Europe would be make sure we're in the grips of the Europa League. Though, like, you've got to kind of be... I think we need at least that. I mean, it's important financially for the club. It's important for the development of the players. It's important to attract new signings as well, that you've got some form of decent European football. Without being a snob, I feel that if we do drop to the Conference League, I don't really think that's a deal-breaker for players, but I still think Europa League's quite attractive. You only need to look at Kieran Tierney at Arsenal. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Amy, same to you. What do you think? Free uh, hit Europe uh, concentrating dom- domestic dominance again or? Can you see them going hand in hand that we can progress in both? I've kind of I've thought about it a lot over the weekend um, because I think a few weeks ago I was asked this as well and I jumped I, I think I probably jumped in a bit too quick and I was like you know I know Europe's still important because um, the, the whole money factor and the whole appeal and then I've really been trying to be a little bit more mature maybe and not just a little Celtic kid um, and wanting the big European lights that have still never really been on show but. Um, that's just got a light you can get me a lot of. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, exactly. There we go. We're sorted. It's, um, I, I think we, we have to be, be a little bit more realistic. Like, 22 days, that is unbelievable. You know, I think I just keep thinking, right, wow, June's fluent for me. You know, I think, I still think, like, oh, Scotland's still got to play in a major tournament. I think these last few weeks have totally flown in. And the way that that whole sort of period, that there's 22 days is nothing. You know, it's really, it's such a little time and it will be be upon us before we know it. So I think it's going to be really, really tough to, to have a 
to have a real good go um, at, at Michelin this year. I think more just because right now we still don't... I think, Russell, you said it yesterday. I think potentially Lee Griffiths could be our number one striker. Who knows if he'll even be under contract by the time that we face him, you know? His contract runs, runs out um, at the end of this month. So there's a lot of... It's still too many if, buts and maybes, and I think that's maybe why... I think we just need to take a little bit of a step back with Europe. But then at the same time, you know, that's not I'm not wanting to then say like we are, you know, accepting second best because we, we can't be. That's not the, the complacency that, that you can have at a club like Celtic. But we need to, you know, maybe wake up and smell the coffee and realise this is the position we're in. And as excited as we can be about Friday and how great the future looks, that's maybe talking a little bit too far into the future, not maybe just 22 days to get a, a, a decent enough team together to face a really decent Danish side. You know, it's not... Um, we're not playing a nobody here. We're playing a really decent outfit. And who knows... You know, with the with the Euros, who will be back, who won't be. You know, Cal McGregor really does need a rest at some point. Um, and I, I hope to God that that's maybe happening about now. But again, it, it's tough. It's really tough. So for me, I'd, I'll be disappointed. Of course, well, I'm not going to be delighted. But if we do, you know, or if we don't get past Mitchland, I think you've got to maybe take it with a pinch of salt here and think about the bigger picture and think about, you know, we need to get back on back on track domestically but European football I don't know then I just go on a full swing and now I'm like oh European football is vital again so I'm just want to be you know I haven't played under those lights but I think European football of some sort is vital Champions League maybe not so much Well you both spoke about reinforcements which are badly needed yeah now I like to do my homework and look around and see what's happening with Persons of interest, Russell, exactly. <laughs> persons of interest, right. Now, a major person of interest has sprung up over the weekend, and it's Mario Vuskovic, Croatian under-21 international defender from Hydric Split, and they're talking that he could be Ange Postecoglou's first signing. This guy's a progressive ball-playing defender, centre-half, and... What I did notice, there was a real shift in the way this deal was being portrayed because Celtic and Torino were meant to be battling it out. But from the Croatian end, it said that Celtic had blown Torino out of the water with their financial package because uh, they seemingly offered a four-year deal and and, uh, and a decent and you know, really doubled what Torino were going to offer the boy. So it smacked to me of two things, right? One, urgency, I get that. But Celtic's shown a wee bit of ambition that they have maybe scouted this young guy and he is what they what they require. People say, oh, he's 19. But I don't think he ain't, he ain't no project because it's I'm going to shell out maybe 4.3 million, 5 million euros is what Hydric Split want from You know, so they say that all the signs are positive. But even if Celtic don't get this deal across the line, at least they're showing ambition and it's the kind of player that would get you excited because he's young and Postecoglou likes to work with young players. If this guy's been identified as being good enough, then he's hoping they can, they can get that deal over the line. Maybe you've been reading about yeah, I, I really have. And again, you, you've just you summarised it in a nutshell, really. There is, it's shown about ambition for the club. You know, this is, like you say, he's a 19-year-old, but he has no project. You know, it's not going to be like, we'll need to play him, you know, on a court side or whatever it may be. He can face Bonner and Rose. But um, 
he looks like he's the, the, the product here, you know, and again, there's big suitors after him, but like you say, that ambition, you know, we're, we're competing with Torino, you know, where we should be, but I mean, we can sit here and we can say, yeah, we should be and whatever, but we've not been for the last few years and we've lost far too many players to clubs of that sort of size and stature because we're not, because we just we just don't show enough interest and we're not maybe we're not offering them first team football or at, a, at a glance or we're saying that it's going to be like you say a project some sort of it's going to have to be a development if if they're ready for the first team then they're ready for the first team age is just a number I am um, I don't like now that obviously we're starting to sign players that are younger than me I really that's that's when I realise I, <laughs> um, yeah, I, don't, I don't like it um, but you have, you have not reached the Celtic mass status yet Amy. <laughs> <laughs> um, a long way off <laughs> oh, hopefully, hopefully. It's um, but it's exciting. Like you say, it's, it's the sort of player that you want the club to be going for. You know, it's Chris. It's Chris Iyer again. Really, Chris Iyer was a bit younger. I appreciate then he he did need a little bit of developing. But the best thing he ever done was obviously go out to Kilmarnock, and he was sorry chucked in. That that was really when he was made into a centre half because he came as that centre mid. So I understand. I'm sorry, contradicting myself there. But it's where we should be looking. We should be looking at these younger sort of players. But let's chuck them right in, you know, I think everyone's sort of talking about, do we start, you know, Beaton and um, and Welsh at, at centre-halves for the um, the, the Michelin game, but there's one young, sorry, Leo Helst, who was at Ross County last year, again, he, he was really promising, um, and I did catch snippets of him as well, so there's there are players there, we just need to break down that barrier now, that we, we've sort of in, in, installed in the club that, you know, age it's a barrier, you know, it shouldn't be. Why is, you know, we, we could talk about Dembele or Armstrong who Flex, who's obviously went down to West Ham, you know, and I'm not saying that they're going to be week in, week out starters, but they have to be in and around that setup. So we are in a, a centre-half crisis, we're in a defensive crisis, and we probably have been since about 2016. But it's, um, it's good to finally see the club showing a little bit of ambition, you know, and that naturally we can all we can ask as we're talking about this rebuild and, and going down different routes, avenues that we've not been down in a good few years. And and it's all part of the, the new way, the new era. Russell, in the past we would have read a day later Torino set to Gazump Celtic uh, for this boy. You know, that that kind of thing. You know, there'd been interest one day, then the next day's headline would have been Torino set to blow Celtic out of the water. So yep. these kind of things are progress. As I say, even if it doesn't come to fruition, at least we're looking in the right places or we're starting to certainly look in the right places and, and be ambitious. And when I read about this guy, I'm quite excited and I'd like to see them land this boy and, and you know, get it over the line. Yeah, I totally agree. Could you hear the ice cream van there? Was that too loud? Give me two seconds. I'll shut the window. <laughs> I thought we were away chasing it, Russell. <laughs> it's been a while, mate. I used to go out with empty ginger bottles. That's how I used to pay for my so. uh, I know, man. I think you're not alone. But no, I think with the we spoke about it last week. I, I'll still sit on the fence as to whether I'm convinced Celtic are now a forward-thinking, you know, meaning business in the transfer window. I'm a wee bit wanting to believe that, of course, but I'm also a wee bit like your hands been forced because you made such a clock up of the summer, you know. It's been an absolute disaster since Lennon left, really, let's be honest. We should have been never in this position, do you know what I mean? Whereas, if it has forced their hand, what I'm hoping is they learn something from it. And they start going, do you know what? Getting deals done quickly and swiftly like, like a big club firstly gets you a far better success rate, keeps managers far happy, and enhances our squad far more than 
last ditch loan bids for EPL players and stuff like that. I just didn't want as I think it's inevitable that there will be a couple of loan signings, by the way, because of the amount yeah. of rebuild that's required. And I'm I'm not absolving them of blame for that though, because the fact is we shouldn't be in that position and that still needs to be held to account. But going forward, you would like to think if they do get this deal over the line quickly and are outbidding the likes of Torino, you would like to think that's like, do you know what? It actually feels good to do that. It excites fans more as well. It gets a buy-in from supporters when they're seeing the club getting top targets in. How often over the last few years, and Kayleigh was touching on it, have we missed out on our top targets and went to the second list? I just don't think that's... I think as well, considering the amount of what the squad needs right now, let's be honest, we are really going to be needing the top list players this time. You know, the ones that are identified early because... There's so much work to be done. So much work to be done in that squad. We can't afford to be doing a patch-up job here. This has to be, if there's been a player like Vizkovic identified and he is going to come in and he's going to be a first-team player, the sooner we can get that deal over the line, the better with the, with the qualifiers looming. And obviously even the new SPFL season looming. We discussed last week, without going over all ground, quarantine delays and things like that for players. So these deals are all going to take far longer in terms of bidding for a player than actually seeing them in a Celtic tracksuit than what they did before. It's now important that we get the deal bit done as quickly as possible. If all of everyone's on board with the signing, get it over the line quickly because there's a few hoops to jump through um, before they can actually start wearing the hoops. Well, very good. Very good, Russell. <laughs> On that note, there's a couple of other players who have been on Celtic's radar before who've now come back on the radar and one of them's a Utrecht winger called Girano Kirk, now 24-year-old, and I think uh, Leeds and Celtic, well, supposedly in Celtic, I think tried to get him in the January window, 2020, right. failed, uh, and then he was supposedly going to go to Leeds for 10 million, but all that kind of talk has died down, but I think he scored nine goals last year, and seven assists, and he's got 42 goals and 173 games for Utrecht. Now, Hans Posikoglu likes to play with wingers. He fits that kind of criteria and fits that bill. 24, young enough. You know, and I read another stat that he had 112 dribbles in the Eredivisie, which, which has an average of 3.3 per game, and that was the most, right, of any player. So, you know, guys like that, if they can, again, if this guy's come back on the radar, go and get it done. If you really want them, you know, as that's what you're alluding to there, Russell. If you really do think this guy, who I believe is available again, and, uh, you know, and Utrecht are saying that he might be the subject of interest from a lot of clubs, but go and ask the question. You know my thoughts on these things. Ask the question and see if he'll come. And if he's a player that you want and he's been on your radar back in January, then it will only enhance the squad. Yeah, Amy, you agree with that? Absolutely, and it's all about you know, bringing in players to to fit the style. There is no point bringing in, you know, defensive midfielders when we're only going to play two or whatever, or sometimes, who knows, maybe the system will only play one. Like, how many times we've done that over the years and you go, do we really need that? You know, it's, we need to, where are we we weak for starters? You know, we need to still really be building the spine of the team. I feel that there's still a little bit of, you know, light, we are still a bit light there. But then again, if, if the style is going to be that we're going to be really reliant on wingers, 
we look at our wingers right now, we've got, you know, James Forrest, who you're hoping is going to come back fit and ready. And again, and I think he worked really hard to get back into that Scotland setup. And I think he was maybe a little bit unfortunate to not see some more action there. But, you know, it's so cru- he's going to be crucial to this. He really is. And then on the other side, you've got Mikey Johnston, who you've got to, you know, he really needs to step up. It is now his time to step up if he is going to be playing as a winger, you know, because I think that is still his preferred position. But, you know, he gets chucked about everywhere in the false nine, sits back as the 10, but he, he can play there. So he needs to, to stake his claim now because he's been been around for a few years and, and now it's time he, he, he really bucks up his ideas. He's hitting that prime age. Um and obviously, but again, that's the issue. A lot of it has been because he's injury curtailed. So we need, you know, if if he's going to be number one, you at least need a backup to Johnston because you can't guarantee that he's going to, you know, be able to see a whole season through. Um, and not that you can obviously have that guarantee with anybody. But it's, um, it is, it's all about, you know, right, obviously if he's got a plan, he's got an, uh, and, and it's going to be really let's say it's just relying on wingers then we need to get looking out there and looking in that market if it's somebody that we've had sort of dibs on before then let's go out and have a look at him again you know if if we've notified there's obviously a reason why he was he's on our radar so let's go and really investigate why if Angie's keen as well it's you know it's all about like you say it's about going in while well, and striking while the iron's hot, and then if there are, are if there are other suitors, sorry, it means that there has to be something. You know, we're not going for a, a somebody who's a he's as a dead rubber. He's not really, you know, he's cutting the bill. Who knows? Obviously, like you say why things that have failed this season and whatnot in previous deals, but then no, he, he's still on our sort of he's still on our radar. So so let's go and get him. So I'll say this to you about Van Persie. Robin Van Persie said this. Kirk is a player who basically has everything. He is fast, has vision, is technical and can score. He can still play at a higher level in the near future. There it's you a go. good endorsement, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and, and as Amy said there, I quite like the fact that Celtic identifying a centre-half because they need defenders and that's the position that they need to sign players in. And also, wingers. He plays with wingers, so they've identified a winger or someone else's came back on the radar from previous so that's a good sign in terms of moving forward. They're not signing players for the sake of it. They're signing players to come in to go straight into the team. That's my thinking behind that. I think you're spot on, Tony. I think, see, when you look over the years, Celtic will probably would argue with you that they've spent a fair whack, you know, over the last decade. We think they've underperformed in the transfer market or maybe not. We felt they maybe been a bit tight-fisted at times. Would that be fair? That they've maybe haggled a bit too much needlessly with that? Something like that. They would probably look at their overall net spend and say, we've spent a fortune, guys. (laughs) I think, though, that would be on the basis of quantity over quality. I know it's a cliche, that statement, and I hate that, but I think realistically this time, if we're going to have a smaller squad, because the squad was too big anyway for me, it looks like there's still a lot of players to go. Let's just get diamonds in that team. Let's go out and get... And this is me throwing about figures by the way. I don't take, take this literally but let's say you had £15 million to spend I would rather we had three £5 million players than six £2.5 million players if that makes sense I think too often we found uh, for every Virgil van Dijk there is a Marion Schwed or whatever I'm not criticising him personally or anything like that just too often there's been a £2 million signing that's been made that hasn't worked out that hasn't even really had much of a chance. 
um, Bayo comes to mind. Even Sorrow to an extent, how long it took for him to get in the, in the first team and then taken back out. And they're only a couple. I think the concern would be for Celtic is they're going to also, for every time I mention that, they'll say, well, we spent five million on Barkas, five million a Yeti. It still didn't work out. So you need to look at the transfer policy as a whole. The only thing I'm concerned about is if he was on the list January 2020, there are Celtic now still pitching players to the manager and should it not be the vice versa? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And another one who was on the radar, in fact, June 2019, was George Baldock from Sheffield United. And the, oh, reason, the reason I know this is because I spoke to Robbie Nielsen about him to do a backgrounder on him. They went away with the daily record because he worked with them for MK Dons. And Robbie Nielsen said it was one of the saddest things that happened when he was manager there that Baldock left. He go to Sheffield United because were a big part of what they did. So I got that article up because I wanted to refer And he said, this is what he said about Baldock. He's a very athletic player. He's got a superb attitude and he works really hard at his game. He's a very good footballer and he would fit in well at Celtic. His biggest strength is he possesses real quality going forward. And he's also very competitive, which means he likes a tackle, which is another attribute I'm sure the Celtic supporters will like about him. He likes to get he says he likes to get forward, and that's the way Celtic play. So so he would fit in there and he says, despite being a defender, he generally plays high up the pitch most of the time. So that strikes me as a a wing back, an attacking full back. Uh Amy, that's what Robbie Nielsen said, and he's worked with him so you can't get any more kind of an endorsement than that. And again, Bulldogs came onto the radar because they can get him now because he stayed at Sheffield United who ended up in the Premiership. You know, but I know I think he's now available again and they're saying that Celtic are poised or maybe will resurrect their interest there. Again, Russell, I agree with your point that these are maybe old lists, but they still remain persons of interest. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> so, yeah, you know what I mean? So, if that's the case and they want them, Baldock's a bit older, Amy, 28. 20, so, yeah. yeah, so they need, to, they need to think seriously about that one, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's... Um, I, I think that'd, that'd be a great coup, it really would be. I think he's, you know, he's, he's massed a... It was a mainstay in Sheffield United, you know, he really was um, under Chris Wilder. I think it's 130 odd appearances, if I'm right. I think there's something like that I read over the weekend. Um, and again, he's a he's just an assured player. You know, he's got plenty of Premier League experience by him as well, Championship level as well, which is is no mean feat. Um, and again, it's, it's a decent age to be, you know, to be coming up. It, it's that you know we're talking obviously about the, the youth, the 19. Um, and, and that's it, we're wanting that as well. But you've got to have that little bit of balance, you know, it's got to be experienced. We can't just, you're not going to win anything with kids, but it's, um, you need that little bit of experience as well. And it's, it's be good, it'd be good to have. So it's it's, it's about getting that balance. Um, and I certainly would be excited by it. I mean, I name three players there, Russell, because that's kind of the ones that are some <laughs> are doing the rounds, but they excite me in terms of moving forward and if Celtic could get them into the club and Ange could start to work his magic, you know, and there'll be other players that they're linked with and but these are the ones that seem to be kind of cropping up again and again for a reason, I would imagine. But if that's the case and they want these players, then go and get those deals done. 
give the fans a wee bit of excitement as well because it's all it's all right being linked with them, but now's your time to take it forward and start getting things over the line. And because you, you need players, because this tie's coming up in twenty-two days' time. You know, you need bodies in the door, don't you? Tony, I think you're spot on. I like what Amy said though there as well. That blend, see the three names you've gave there. You've got someone with over a hundred games in the division. You've got someone who's do you like my Dutch accent there? You've got someone who's uh, who's young upcoming talent in Croatia, which are still at present the World Cup World, you know, final World Cup finalists only from three years ago. So we know they do produce a lot of talent. We've got someone young and hungry coming in there. I'm not saying they're actually coming in, I just mean if they were. And then you've got someone with a heap load of PL experience there and EPL experience uh, at the right age, the right maturity levels, also from these shows, so doesn't need the bedding-in period that perhaps other sign-ins would. That, to me, is a brilliant mix when you look at those three names that you've just mentioned, Tony. Now, obviously, we can only speculate if they were able to get over the line or not, but I would like the idea of us sprinkling across this team a bit of experience. I feel we lack it. Um, I always remember Martin O'Neill's team. I'm weird with dates and birth and stuff. I've said that on the pod before. I always, always know what year of birth like players were born in that's man. But anyway, I always used to be like, because I used to think 30 was old, Amy. It's not, by the way. Really not. Um, but I used to think, I used to panic out O'Neill's team because I used to think they're all turning 31, 32 at the same, the same time, almost, you know. But what he'd done was when he brought in players, they were ready-made, they were straight out the wrapper into the team, mate ready to go. Chris Sutton was 27 approaching, uh, yeah, 27 when he signed him. John Hartson was 26 when he signed him. Then you had like, Alan Thompson, 28, Neil Lennon, 30. Guys that were just ready-made to go into the team. And I think whilst we can't adopt that policy in the sense that Celtic do tend to sign players that they would hope would be a sell-on feed for as well, um, or, or someone that they can then maybe even develop and sell for a greater enhanced fee, I think we need to also experiment a wee bit into the world of signing ready-mades for the here and now, which I just think we've took a wee bit of our eye off the ball on in terms of our recruitment policy and maybe just our attitude to the club as a whole of late. I think there was a complacency issue with regards to what the challenge was from our rivals. I think that was proven to be folly. I mean, they've excelled last season more. You know, well worthy winners, let's be completely honest with you. you know, did we take that challenge seriously? Well, we now have to. And we need that title back. It's as simple as that. And the only way we're going to do that, whilst, you know, I know the the statement Amy was making was a famous quote from uh, Alan Hansen about you'll never win anything with kids. I also think there is an element of truth. I think that was a, a, you know, a freak class of 92 that they came up with. I don't see Celtic being able to do it with a team of Vuskovic's coming in. You're going to need a bit of experience in there. I mean, we were talking about the clamour to keep Lee Griffiths last week. I think a lot of that is based on his know-how as much as much as his ability. And I think we're going to need some guys with some know-how and hopefully we've got, you know, if it's going to be, you know, balled up, then why not? I was having a bit of a laugh here last night, Russell, wasn't I, on the DM yeah. when I said I love pre-season because it kind of threw up all sorts of weird and wonderful names and yeah. you know, players that nearly signed for Celtic and my... My two in particular growing up were Gianluca Vialli, Amy, and David Ginola, whose Celtic came incredibly close to signing both of these guys, right? And Russell didn't believe me, but I didn't know that. Vialli? Hi, Vialli. Yeah, I love the picture of Vialli jumping on Mancini when they scored the second goal 
night, and it was. It was just tremendous to watch, you know, because Yali was a terrific player. Also, like the Rangers the year before, uh, David Murray flew out to see Yali's agent and was sent back because Chelsea had come in. He wanted to go to London. It went sour. Within a year, he was linked with Celtic Crystal Palace. Celtic spoke to him. I think Vim Janssen wanted him. And uh, he ended up staying because I said to Russell last night, who got the bullet? And then he became the manager of Chelsea and... And he went from there and Chelsea ended up signing a guy called Henry Glasgow. I wonder whatever happened to him. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I love pre-season for that. That it used to write, you know, who we signing. And, and for the first time in a wee while, reading these names and a couple of others, I've got a kind of buzz and real excitement back again about, you know, who, who's going to come in under Ange. And, you know, has he got you excited yet? Yeah, I guess he has. You know, mm-hmm. someone who was sceptical of, and his arrival then, and, and I admit that, and I, and I say my personal duty's out, but I think that's his forty. It's managing players, and and obviously part of managing players is bringing players in that you want. So I'm excited to see who he does bring in and how he manages him, and, and what happens moving forward. If he can get somebody like Viali or Ginola, then so be it. But I have my doubts, Amy. <laughs> it's um. Yeah, there's talking about diamonds in the rough. Maybe it will be a little bit hard to find to find one that good. But it's like you say, it's, it's that excitement. And again, it's probably something that I don't know. It's I think everything's sort of just merging. It's it's kind of hard right now to think of that time again that that you, we probably maybe did have that excitement. I, I can't recall this time last year having any sort of you know excitement but again that's because we were in a pandemic and nobody was excited so it's tough so it's stretching the mind back even further um to, to really be building up that sort of like you see the, the name's getting chucked about and it, it may not be a, a david Ginola, but it's um we can we can hope russell my favorite i've got you were taking for that story last night, the reality. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I had no idea. I, I usually know stuff like that. I was one. I knew Ginola was literally at Celtic Park, but I had no idea about Viali. My favourite one was uh, Hacking Yakking, or no, Yakking I... Hacking, whatever you like to call him. He was um, like, yeah. <laughs> every year. He's, I think his brother scored against us, but Hacking Yakking pulled the strings for FC Bal, which, yeah. funnily enough, did us a favour because it meant we went in the UEFA Cup, which ended up in Seville. But Hacking Yakking was linked every single summer after that for the next five years. I actually kind of ended up like really loving him as a player. Every like if there were Switzerland with the Euros of the World Cup and I was like, he's a player by the way, just in case we signed him. <laughs> That's the thing. You heard these names being linked and then you would see them at a tournament and you'd follow their fortunes because totally. of that. And you would then see them fitting into a, a Celtic team. Or you, uh, you envisaged it in your mind and you thought he could do a job there, you know, he could do this, that. And that's, that's the beauty of being linked with, you know, players that maybe you have not heard of. You start and then you say, right, okay. And you maybe go and watch them. And it's easier now where you can, you can access a lot of their detail. But mm-hmm. back then it was major tournaments that you could only see them. I mean, I remember the transfer window when Rangers brought back Barry Ferguson and Celtic signed Craig Bellamy. That's right. What was that like? I mean, it's mental, you know, it's just like a, a mental night of transfer activity with the two of them, you know, going head-to-head, bringing in a big name. That's you know, right. It's like, unbelievable, you know, and, and, and even guys like Robbie Keane coming up as well. Mm-hmm. You, you, you forget that, you know, a, a lot of good players have came to this country and tried it. 
you know, so it's and that's the hope moving forward. I'm not saying you're going to get, let me say, players of that calibre ever again, but you know, you you you've got to start somewhere to get it back to hopefully that kind of those kind of days. You know, we we you know, six hundred and fifty grand on Larson. That's the best six hundred and fifty grand Celtic I've ever spent. I don't care what Andy says, it's arguably the best transfer piece of business in the club's history. Of the world. <laughs> well, well I, I can't like for pound for pound, it's incredible. You said the world, but you know, but certainly in Celtic's history. If there's a better transfer there, then um, no doubt. Uh, season ticket holders will inform me because I'm an answer. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I'm just talking about that kind of thing. You can unearth these gems, Amy. You can Absolutely. get diamonds in the rough, as you say. If Absolutely. Doing- and, yeah, and, and I'm going to mention two names, and I'm not trying to, you know, compare, or I can mention four names, right? You can go Larson and Mirav. I'm not trying to compare them, but it's the way that, you know, we can find gems in the way that we found Gary Hooper, the way that we found Chris Commons, my personal favourite, Joe Ledley, you know, and I am by no means am I comparing what Maravchuk and Larson done for Celtic to what Hooper and Commons and Ledley and the likes done, not, 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 not a chance, but it's that same sort of, you know, digging deep. So I understand that we're maybe... You know, and I could be contradicting myself here that we're, you know, you're wanting to sign like a bulldog and you're wanting that little bit of experience. But you're also wanting to look out, like you say, to, to find a 19 year old Croatians. The way that we're finding, obviously, Miravchik was far, far older, like you say, Russell, but it's finding those little gems. Mikael Lustig, you know, um, and like I say, Gary Hooper. Um, Hooper is, is one that really that strikes my mind because I think the age that I was at, and I was like, I, I just thought, you know, we've just made him out somewhere. No way is his name Hooper. He's going to be number 88. Like, this is just written in the stars sort of stuff. But, you know, look at look at the job that he went on to do. And I understand Chris Commons now is not uh, the, the fan favourite that he was, but what a player he was, you know, at that, that first yeah. spell, you know, the, the, the work that he'd done, you know, what was that season? How many goals did he score from that? Was it 35 goals or something like that he scored? Um, you know, and he wasn't even he wasn't, he wasn't even an out-and-out striker. You know, Virgil van Dijk, uh, Victor Wanyama, Victor Wanyama, like, they, they are out there. Um, and, and I understand that the problem that we're, we're really wanting at Celtic here is that we're not just wanting it to be the odd Victor Wanyama's, Virgil van Dijk's, we're wanting it to be a much more familiar sort of storyline. But it, it's, it's not going to be like that because it, it's too difficult. You know, the, the, the top clubs can't do it, so we're not going to be able to do it. But they are out there. And if we, we, we look hard enough with the right people in place, we can um, we, we can spot them. And again, all, all these players that were sort of mentioned here, they're, they're under the million. And I, I appreciate, Russell, and I'm totally with you with what we were saying, that you know you can't... I'd much rather if you had £15 million to, to go out and buy three, five million pounds sort of players. But there is also the room for that. You know, finding a Wanyama, finding a Hooper, finding a Maravchuk, finding a Larson, they are out there. I mean, I'll, in terms of Ange Postacoglu then, two players that you mentioned, Larson and Maravchuk, came to the club because of knowledge Vim Janssen had of Larson yes. and knowledge that Dr Joe had of Maravchuk. So Ange Postacoglu's knowledge has to be put to good use in this sense. Yep. And I'm sure he's well aware of that. And that's what excites me moving forward. Because I know at some point or other, he's going to bring in a gem. Because he'll have worked with him or he'll have knowledge of somebody who might have done under the radar. 
of, of everybody and bring in again to come in and do a job. You know, so that that's what you're tapping into as well. You know, Larson came. I mean, Larson did well with Feyenoord, but Moravchik came in a complete unknown and, I mean, just became a darling of the Celtic supporters just for the the two of them, you know, for the unbridled joy that they brought to the supporters. And again, Russell, we get back to it, they got it. They just understood from the moment they walked in the door. They, they, they knew they were part of something special. And Anne said, I want players to know that when they walk through the door, they're going to be part of something special. I quite like that. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, we were talking about when, when Andrew was appointed, there was a lot of talk about Euro snobbery or some sort of terminology like that. See, when you talk about Lubo and Larson, you know what they both had in common? They both scored goals, I think, at World Cups. Yeah. I think Lubo was at Czechoslovakia. Was it still Czechoslovakia then, I think? And he'd appeared at the World Cup. I'm going to guess that he scored just because he's Lubo. I know for a fact Henry Larson had scored at the 94 World Cups. I remember it when I was young. Yeah. So, as much as they did seem obscure signings, were we just ignorant to yeah. you know, the gems that these other countries had at that time, really? I mean, why would a guy who's got 40-odd caps for his national team, uh, been a player that Zidane's idolised, why would we not know who that is? It's just a bit of ignorance, isn't it, really? Henrik Larson coming in, I mean, guy scored at the third-place playoff at the World Cup in 94. Um, he's already at Feyenoord. He's probably about 20 caps deep by the time he's joined Celtic 2030 caps would be even by then. Um, he's 26 years old. Lubo was 33 when he joined as well. Established careers these guys have got. So they maybe when you look at a lot of their, their, their career stats weren't as random as what maybe just we were a bit ignorant of. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I, th- I think it's spot on. I think when you come to Postacoglu, you're going to think there's been someone in that Australia squad that he knows he can get at a good price. So he goes, I can count on him straight away. And he'll know all his personality traits like you're talking about, Tony, whereas there might be someone in the Australian TV thinks, yeah, he'd be wonderful, but he'll not settle. He'll take six months to say yeah. he might not be ideal. He's going to know these ins and outs. There could be someone in his team that they had a Marinos who we've never heard of that we'll be ignorant all over again to who maybe has 30 caps for Japan who's got six months left in his deal and Foster Colgo knows all that already because he'll know their contract status of all these players. So there's going to be some out-the-box thinking that we would not have had, even with Mr Howe, who was the you know the guy that we were all apparently desperate for. We've just got to embrace this. Um, there's no way of knowing what how it's going to go, what's going to happen. Um, but I think, you know, based on what we've seen Friday from him, the ideas we're discussing right now, you can't help but feel a wee bit of excitement for the new season as well. And just a wee bit like... The, the doom and the gloom and that dark cloud for last year is kind of alleviating now. And what we'd also say was, it was very fascinating to know that season ticket scale, uh, sales are off the scale, according to Dominic Mackay, off the scale. Um, that should create another wave of optimism, not just for us, but for the board and the, the more importantly, the manager as well, who feel he's getting a buy-in from the fans. We've been accused of being negative, Amy, a lot on this pod, and we can't deny that we have. But I think today's been very optimistic and positive, and we're all exciting each other you know, as we're talking about Celtic. So, I mean, I think we have to admit to being negative, possibly, in the past. But we're on board with us. We we are behind, Ange. We, no, nobody at any time said they want them to fail. We're just naturally no. sceptical, and possibly, as Russell said, maybe... Slightly ignorant, but we're the more 
we're, we're finding out more and more and and I say often impressive start with the way he speaks but we're now just at that point where get the players in and, and set them up and let's see where we go let's see how we play yeah. you know and I'm not because I can't make snap judgments on them after one game or European ties just want to see how how they do how they fare how they how they react how to to what he's saying how the players react to what he's saying and in the style you know just just to sort of see where we're at and where we're going. That's what we want to see happen now, isn't it? We're, we're anxious for that now. Yeah, there's nerves there as well. Nervous yeah. excitement too, but I think most mostly excitement now, you know, just sort of, let's do it. Let's see where we go. The players, sorry, Amy, I, I just quickly yeah. think the players needed this freshen up. I think the actual football side of things, the 11 players in the park, it needed a revamp. I think that season last year was the end of a cycle of that group of players, whether we won the, the 10 or we didn't. I think that's what's really exciting me is it's time for a new a new team to be identifying with on the park. You know, I think there'll be major changes and let's embrace it. Sorry, you made up this routine. Oh, you're quite all right. It's, um, you know... I- we're never going to please everybody. You know, Angie's never going to please everybody. You, you hit the nail on the head. We, we have been negative, but we've been negative for the, the right reasons, really, because it's been, we've not been impressed, we've not been enamoured by the, the state of the club and where, where we find ourselves and where the club have ultimately, you know, led us led us to be. So it is now the, the case of getting excited and getting optimistic. And I understand there will be people coming in and, and we'll jump off this and I can guarantee there'll be people going, oh, you are so easy, please. It's been on press conference and you're getting away with yourselves and all of this. You know, we've got to but we've got to now embrace this. You can't, we can't sit here for however many months, and it has been months now, and say, you know, we demand change, we deserve change, and we need change. And now that that change has happened, you know, we've had that first stage, we now can't sit here and go, nah, we're not really going to, you know, back it and get on with it. No, we have to, we have to get on board with this and we have to, you know, invest our time into it. The same way we invested our time into demand and change. Because we can't, we're just going to sit here and there's just going to be such a snobbery now if we sat here and went, oh, well, we're not really happy with that, we're not really happy with that. Didn't like what I said there, didn't answer that question. You know, maybe didn't answer, and I'm, I'm talking about Don McKay as, as, as well as Andrew Postacoglu, but maybe they didn't answer all the questions the way that we'd wanted to be asked, okay, and, and I appreciate that but Tony, you know and I know and, and Russell, you know as well anytime you ask a question in a, in a press conference the manager, we're not going to have total you know, total vision and have a, a clear scope of everything that's going on in the club, we're not going to unleash everything to us, but you know had that a little bit of an insight and a little bit more of an insight than I think we probably would have got if, if we didn't have that, that fan conference, that fan, fan presser. Um, so we have to embrace it and we have to take the positives out of things now. We, we drew in on the negatives and, and rightly so and really picked and pinpointed the things that we didn't like. Okay, we didn't like that, that we weren't getting a connection, that the club weren't listening to us. They are now listening to us and they are now letting us in. They're maybe not letting everybody in and they're maybe not letting the right people into in some people's opinions. But, you know, fans are getting let in and fans are getting to talk directly to the manager. They're getting to talk directly to an incoming CEO. You know, this is groundbreaking stuff. This is the right direction. And if you can't sit back and think, you know, I, I'm really proud of my club and I'm quite impressed with my club that this is the step that we are taking, then you need to take a look at yourself because I appreciate he's, not everybody is going to be pleased, but this is a step in a direction that if you said six, seven months ago, you'd be biting your hand off, you know, because it, it seems 
far. This was, you know, a club that were literally given added value and I do this because what was that added value and we were having to put up with this now we're in a position that you know our our manager is sitting and, and, and talking about protecting our club and taking a vision and you know putting en- enthusiasm into the academy it's the way that we all wanted to go six seven months ago so now the fact that it is getting spoken into truth you know, and again, and right now it is all still talking the talk and it's not walking the walk. We have to, you know, we, ha- we have to take this as a, as a massive leap forward and a real positive. I mean, to quote Lawrence Conley, who says, and I said at the start, it's only words. And we're only talking about Celtic. That's Lawrence's take on it all. We're just talking about Celtic. That kind of laid back, you know. Totally, mate. Totally. Is that, isn't it? You're talking about something that you care about and you're passionate about and that you love. Yep. You know, I think, uh, and I think that's quite a, a neat summary. You know, gives you an insight in there. Lawrence Conley's mind as well. You know, Brilliant. we're only talking about Celtic. Swing back. That's all we're doing. You know, that's and all, all we're doing. doing. You know, I, um, can you go, Russell. I just think what Amy's saying there. I mean, I think you know when Celtic are making steps forward and engaging with fan media, it is something to be embraced. There's something to say. Look, this is wonderful. This is. The engagement, you know, that we were talking about, all we spent last season was talking about disengagement between board and supporters. Well, see when they take strides to try and repair that, I applaud them for it. The same way we complained when they were, we felt that they were shutting up shop essentially last season. We called them out. But to be fair, when they do something right, I think it is also on us when we get these opportunities and these platforms to speak to X amount of thousands of views, you know, it will get each day. It's important that we applaud the club when they get things right, and that they're fed back to the club because they'll they'll know. Um, and I don't I don't want to be on a on a bus, obviously a bus, where we are, play, like you know, downing it, you know, putting putting down every single attempt they make to get something right. I think it's important to recognise that. Yeah, maybe not all aspects of the fan media thing was perfect, but I thought it was really encouraging, and I liked when Don McKay says, "Remember, we've came to see you first. Before we're going to the broad, uh, the, the broadsheets and, and the other newspapers up the stairs, I thought, well, do you know what? That's another step in the right direction. We should be recognising those as much as we recognise the flaws Celtic have made of late. Well, I have to say, I've been the positive non-season ticket holding Anthony Haggerty. <laughs> That's been the positive non-season ticket holding Amy Canavan and the positive non-season ticket holding Russell Boyce. That's been Axon Monday Club. Hope you've enjoyed that. All the best. Thanks, guys. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? 
Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you've got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.